Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $50 to win $200. Just bet $50 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Mm. In our bonus episode today, we've got Ken Golden of Golden Auctions. He's going to run through famous movie sports memorabilia, how much that would be worth if it was a real item. His biggest card sales, how to successfully pull off an unboxing without damaging any cards, and valuing famous sports items if they're up for sale. Y'all enjoy Ken and our little bonus episode. Take care. This is a treat for you today. Thanks for checking us out this afternoon. If you're listening on Wednesday afternoon, I hope you heard this morning's pod, me and Bo Allen, with some cameos from guys like Lane Johnson and Carl Nassib, unexpected cameos. Uh, That was a lot of fun. There was some good, clean football talk in that pod. Um, But this this is a fun interview, man. I had a great time meeting Ken Golden. He's the type of guy that you want to hang out with. Honestly, I, I didn't want him to leave. I wanted the interview to go longer, but we had him for about an hour. Um, and he's an incredible story. I mean, this is a guy who came up kind of hustling people for baseball cards. Yep. Um, you know, like just shaking people down, asking what they had in their in their house. Like, what did they have in their collection? And he would kind of take flyers on these cards and buy them for low and find out that some of them were worth a fuck ton of money. Decades later, he's got his own golden auctions deal and he sold cards for millions of dollars. In fact, since we recorded this podcast a couple weeks ago, which was in the old studio, Jay, feels like a world away. Um, what happened, Matt? Yes. Yeah, so the record for the most expensive card ever sold had been held by Ken Golden with the Honus Wagner card that you'll hear about, and it's since been broken by the 1952 Mickey Mantle that you'll also hear about. Um, but I would imagine Ken will probably break it again. And he was yeah. awesome, doesn't talk just about like cards or memorabilia, talks about meeting various people throughout his career, like talked about meeting young Kobe Bryant. It's a really great interview, I hope you all enjoy. Yeah, and that was a good pull by by Kingston there, because I don't, I don't like, I love cards, I liked cards when I was a kid, I think they're cool, but I've never collected them. 
Like, and I've never sold them. I collected them as a kid, but like uh, as an adult, I've never, when people open packs and stuff, I never understood what they were doing. Matt was like, hey, check this Ken Golden guy out. And I said, I don't know, do I wanna interview a guy about cards? What would I ask him? But it turns out we had a great time. So hopefully you enjoy this. Uh, and again, if you haven't yet, check out this morning's football breakdown with Bo Allen, um, Trench Talk. Tuesday trench talk. It had a ring to it, but it's Wednesday for y'all. <laughs> you know, we record on Tuesdays for Wednesday. So enjoy Ken Golden. Check out all our other stuff as well. Hey, and a quick, you know, I don't do this often, but go look at the YouTube channel, right? Green Cowboy, light tube. Green light tube. Football season brings back many traditions we know and love. Touchdown dances, pick sixes, strip sacks, game winning sacks tackles, hitting the quarterback, and watching it all with friends in a cooler Miller Lite. The action on the field is reliable year after year. Pair it with the most reliable light beer, Miller Lite. My perfect Miller Lite situation, there's crisp, the leaves are turning, I got a cooler full of Miller Lights. It's just warm enough to sit outside, maybe an outdoor TV, and I got about 12 to 16 of those bad boys in my cooler. <laughs> and I have three friends over, because I'm drinking responsibly. Miller Lite is the perfect beer for football Sundays because of the dependable taste, your friends love it, it's got low calories and carbs, and it's just a sleek, beautiful can. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been a mainstay in the stadium, at the tailgate, and in your fridge. No matter how your team plays, Miller Lite always provides a winning experience. With only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounce serving, your only concern is the next third down conversion. And Miller Lite tastes like beer. Because if you're a beer lover, you don't want watered down flavor. You want the original light beer. Football season brings back the big hits, so reach for the biggest of them all, Miller Lite. You can find Miller Lite pretty much everywhere beer sold. Or go to MillerLite.com slash Greenlight for delivery options near you. It's Miller Time, official beer partner of the Greenlight Podcast. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. So I've got Ken Golden here. Uh, he's the biggest name in sports memorabilia. Some people call him the king of cards. At Ken Golden on IG. Ken, one of my first questions I had, or actually the, one of the last questions I thought of before you popped on the Zoom, is what about sports movie memorabilia? And you pop on, and you have on what? So I happen to be wearing, and we didn't prepare this. No. Uh, so I happen to be wearing uh, Bill Berge's jersey. And you can see right here the uh, yeah. spirit of, you know, this bicentennial patch they wore in 1976 when the movie took place yep. from, from the movie Invincible, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. So um, it is, uh, you know, it's, you know, Berge, you know, if you, if you don't know, if you're too young, uh, is uh, perhaps the greatest uh, linebacker in Eagles history. Wow, incredible. I mean, and how much does something like that go for? Because that was uh, like you got, there's all sorts of iconic movie props that are probably floating around out there and, and going for a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends. Something like this is probably, you know, if, if it was a real Bergie jersey yeah. from 76, it'd probably be about, you know, 10 grand. Yeah. Uh, this might be because it was used in, in a well-known movie, um, might be 800 to $1,200. Okay. Got it. How about the bat from the natural? What do you put? What kind oh, of, that would be amazing. Yeah. That, that, I think that would be, you know, it's, it's, it's shattered of course, but if you have the, 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 the original, pieces, but the yeah. other one, 
<laughs> I, I would think I would think that somebody might be willing to pay twenty five or fifty grand the the most valuable uh, piece of movie sports used memorabilia ever. I would say by far would have to be in the pride of the Yankees going back to uh, was nineteen forty one. Uh, Lou, you know, Lou Gehrig's story yeah. because Babe Ruth played himself mm. and he had a Yankee jersey. Wow. So if, if you had the Babe Ruth uniform that Babe Ruth wore playing himself in that movie, uh, Babe Ruth stuff goes so expensive, that could be a million dollars. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Let's start with baseball. You just sold uh, the most expensive card ever. Congratulations. Tell us Thank about you. that one. Sure. It was a 1909 Citro 6 Honus Wagner. And for those of you, um, actually, want, want, me, want me to show something interesting? Yeah. You guys kind of run, run off camera for that? Yeah, hell yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. This is like an unboxing. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so the story behind the Citro 6 Honus Wagner yeah. is, uh, for those of you who don't know, Mm -hmm. is Honus Wagner was, you know, the greatest baseball player at the turn of the century. Yeah. Uh, Ty Cobb was about 10 years younger than Wagner, and then he, he came. Mm -hmm. um, so in 1909, the American Tobacco Company issued the like first really large card set, 523 cards. You had Ty Cobb, Cy Young, uh, Walter Johnson, Christy Mathewson and Honus Wagner, actually four of the first five inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame, plus Babe Ruth was the, was the fifth. Right. Um, and it was so popular, but what they did was they stuffed these little tiny cards in packs of cigarettes. So if the kids wanted to get these cards, because obviously the kids collected it, they literally had to buy, buy packs of cigarettes, which was legal at the time. That's when they had so, co cocaine and the Coca-Cola and everything. Yeah. So, was, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the, the, the rumor has it that Wagner did not want to promote tobacco to kids yeah. and his card was pulled from production. Wow. And you know, it could have been that or it could have been they didn't pay him and he sued. Who knows? Right. Um, but while there are tens of thousands of every other card in the set that were produced and in existence, there were under 100 of the Wagner and there are only 46 known. So we sold and they're all like most of them in garbage condition. Yeah. So the card we sold was graded on a scale of one to ten, a two, a two. Yeah. Not, you know, just, just you know, which which is above average, but not the highest graded by far. Yeah. And we sold it for seven point two five million. A now, two. A two. Now that card originally sold earlier for about like three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. The last time that individual card sold. Um, if you want to know what a Wagner looks like. And that's oh, why we're, we're there. Raising. He is. Okay. Wow. So this is not. This is a lesser grade card. This is just authentic, yeah. because somebody tried to clean this up. But this tells you. There's the iconic picture, and here's the key. Look at this in the back. No stats. No nothing. Just buy your cigarettes. Geez. Uh, and, and, and how about Honus Wagner being ahead of the game on cigarettes? Exactly. Marketing. So that makes it more valuable to me. <laughs> that is so but, cool. And what it go for? Uh, oh, so the card went for seven point two five million dollars. So, so if so, if someone were to have that card in like a five or even like above that, like which is probably impossible, if or if they do find it, does that mean like that that set the value right there? That two that now, yes. if someone comes with a five, that means the five is going to be worth like thirty million dollars or up there. Bingo! Exact 
The exact correct number is 30 million. <laughs> Look at you. Oh my God. Ken, don't don't That's... take Dr. Facts. Ken's like, come work for me. You... <laughs> I hear there's a Mickey Mantle out there somewhere that's that's worth up in the 20s, maybe. Yeah. 1951. Uh yeah, there's a 19 there's a 1951 Bowman. That's his rookie card. Uh there's one PSA 10, and that card would have to be um, I just did a video on that. And that card would have to be, I'd say, probably 20 million plus. But the more famous card is his 1952 Topps card um, that they made more of. Mm-hmm. It was card number 311. But the key with that card is it's the first major set of the let's call it the the, the modern era or golden era of the Topps era, you know, mm-hmm. Topps brand, which which everybody grew up on Topps. Um, that card, there are three of them in a perfect grade of PSA 10. None of them have traded in the past 20 years. I personally offered $28 million for one of those cards on behalf of a client and was turned down. Mm. So you have to think that all those cards are worth well over $30 million. Mm. <laughs> wow, some amazing stuff. We fucked up, Nate. No, I tell we you. We should have been Ken Golden. Oh, we yeah. should have been, for sure. you know, like I'm like my new hero. So about your personal collection. Mm-hmm. What's one of your favorite things in your personal collection? Do you have something that, you know, even if it's not maybe everybody else's favorite, but maybe has a, I don't know, a a little bit more meaning to you? Sure. Well, I I have a couple favorites. Um, You know, I personally collect uh, collect a lot of different stuff, but I collect game used. So I I have, uh, you know, typically... um, baseball primarily because that's where the you know in, in terms of collecting yeah. you know in, in in modern cards you've got basketball football baseball soccer are all very popular and modern but in when you go to vintage stuff it's more of it's more like mostly baseball all yeah. the records baseball so my i would say my most valuable piece is a bat that babe ruth used in the 1927 season when he hit 60 home runs and that he kept at his house. And when he passed, his wife, Claire Ruth, kept it. And when the Babe Ruth Museum opened in 1973, she gave it to the Babe Ruth Museum and basically said, hey, this is Babe's favorite bat from the 27th season. He kept it. And it's been rated um, by PSA as a PSA 10. So, you know, who knows how many home runs that was used to help set the record back in 1927 uh, when he hit 60. So that's easily my most valuable. That's a seven figure. Um, one of my favorite items is kind of, is, is worth something only to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, um, I've been starting this business a long time ago, literally when I was a teenager and I was lucky enough to have a relationship with uh, Mickey Mantle and he signed autographs for it. And I got married uh, very young in 1991. And I went on my honeymoon when I came back and Mickey was joking me about getting married. I'll get married. Don't get married. So, um, (laughs) I got married and I came back from my honeymoon and waiting on my desk was an autographed picture from Mickey Mantle that said, Hey, Ken is married. Like Luna, I've been married two weeks. Just got back from Mexico. Hey, Ken is married. Life all cracked up to be. Um, oh, no, all you thought would be cracked up to be. And, and I have that. I have that in my. I keep that like behind me in my office. That's so so and, good. And, and, and 
And of course, I'm on my second wife now, so I. Oh. <laughs> Mickey Mantle, the curse of Mickey Mantle. Didn't he just pop up? And wasn't it Mickey Mantle that yeah. popped up and the story about him and the bleachers and it's, everything? Yeah. It's making that story so, more and more believable. Yeah, Everyone's I'm, trying to tell me that it's not real, and I'm like, this sounds this like a real story. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would say it's so knowing Mickey personally. Having, gone out with him um i i would i would say that he definitely is a jokester yeah uh, but that certainly um could could have happened could have happened <laughs> so how did you get your start doing this uh i collected as a kid you know you know really as like an eight nine ten year old kid but then the first real transaction i did i was 12 and i had a friend over my house in my basement and I had this electric uh, race car set that, you know, we were playing with. And he said, would you trade me your car set? And I immediately said yes for your baseball card collection. So mm. he brought his baseball card collection over to my house and picked up the race car set. And I realized at the time the cards were probably worth a couple hundred dollars and the race car track was probably worth 29 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, but this is before the Internet before cell phones, before price guides. So nobody knew what the stuff was worth, but I did that to start buying and selling. And I found out that there was like an underground network of people who bought and sold cards. So I started advertising, like literally I would take an ad out in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer or the South Jersey Courier Post and the classifieds, like paying cash for cards mm -hmm. and people would like bring me their cards for cash. And um, I would buy stuff like Ty Cobb cards from 1909 for like a buck. Nobody knew what they were worth. I was a 15 year old kid. Um, and I grew it into, I grew it into a business and, um, I started a company with my father in 1986 called scoreboard. And we ended up getting into producing trading cards. So I don't know if as a kid, you ever collected the classic brand of trading cards or NFL pro line. Mm -hmm, so pro NFL line. pro line was one of, you know, remember all the, all the, the autographs and the players wives signing autographs yeah. and things oh. like that. Um, but all the draft picks like Kobe Bryant's first card from lower Marion and Shaq at LSU, yeah. those were all, those were all my company. And, you know, I did that for a number of years and finally, um, I, um, started golden in, uh, 2012 um took 100 grand out of the bank started the company and took a chance on myself and it worked incredible and you just sold your auction house recently yeah we we merged um so steve cohen i, I took a uh, 45 million dollar investment in february of 2021 yeah. and then later that year uh company called collectors holdings which is owned you know i guess i'm i'm one of the largest owner owners now i'm probably the fifth largest owner now um, but was owned by uh, Nat Turner, Dan Sunheim of D1 Investments. And the, the famous name that everybody likes to quote is uh, Steve Cohen because he owns the New York Mets. Um, they, um, I agreed to, uh, to merge with them. And now I'm part of uh, Collectors Holdings, which is owns PSA and is like a $4 billion company. Oof. Let me ask you this. So when you were starting out um, and you first started to buy other people's cards, when you put it put that um ad in the paper mm -hmm. was 
um, fakes and replicas a big thing back then, or like, were you running into like, like finding out later on down the line, hey, like I got sold fake cards here, or like, how how was that process working? That process back then, like you're talking about without the internet around and and things of that sort. Now that you can kind of figure those things out. The good news is back then most of the cards weren't worth much, so I did not have to worry about it. About yeah. that, there were literally. There were three cards that were um, counterfeit a lot. And one of them always, it was too easy because it was a T206 Wagner. And it said like reprint. And some people would take it and they would rough it up and doctor it up. So people might think it's real. But the two big cards back in the day, uh, one was a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of reprints of that that people tried to pawn off. And I, I never got taken. I almost did, but I saw the cards in person and I was able to touch it. And I said, okay, this, this, this doesn't feel right. Um, the other card that was almost impossible for people to tell because he was, you know, the hit King back then, it was so popular. Um, and, you know, before the ban from baseball was uh, P Rose, his 1963 rookie card, people would run off, you know, just print those cards to the Cal came home. But if you knew cards, you can see that the image was a little fuzzy and it's off and, I try and, you know, people send me all the time, you know, and they, they DM me or if they know me, they text me, oh, I found this, so oh, this is worth a million dollars. I said, no, it's worth a penny. Um, and they go, how do you know? And I go, over 40 years of experience. But, you know, literally, it's like every, like some of these tellers, they can just touch a dollar bill and they don't need the stick. They can just look and it's fake. Same thing, if you know cards, like you can touch this and say, okay, fine, this is, this is, this is real. Or you can touch it and say, no, this is no good. And it's tough to explain to people because, you know, they always want to get a second opinion. And I'm like, no, I'm Ken Gold. You don't need a second opinion. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, $200, 200 big ones on a $50 bet. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down, don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. You just touched on Pete Rose, um, you know, the gambling stuff, the, the Hall of Fame debate, but it made me think about how cards might be affected positively or negatively as somebody's legacy progresses. Um, you know, like an O.J. Simpson kind of deal, not to make a leap from gambling to murder, but, uh, you know, the, I'm sure there's a big market for, for O.J.'s stuff. Does it, does it become more valuable because of everything that's happened or less valuable? And like, could it be, you know, like a Pat McAfee card, you know, like a, a Pat McAfee card, Pat McAfee was a great punter. People probably didn't buy his card a lot, but then his media career changed the trajectory of maybe what that card's worth. How does what happens after somebody's playing days or at the tail end of their playing days affect the value of their card? Um, it could affect it a lot of it. In the case of OJ, he lost uh, for about a year, you know, when the whole chase was going on and when he was in prison, his autographs were at an all time high because honestly, he was on suicide watch. And I yeah. remember, I remember like people were calling up and trying to, you know, sell, sell us autographs of Simpson. We just stayed away from that. Um, but 
you know, that can greatly, you know, affect it, you know, but his, his stuff is significantly less valuable. You know, if you look at OJ Simpson and this player came along a little bit later in his career than OJ, but it's comparable, comparable type of player, uh, you know, same position, you know, same greatness, Walter Payton. I mean, you look at the values of Walter Payton cards to OJ Simpson. OJ is literally probably less than 10% of, of a Walter Payton's uh, value. Um, and it's all, you know, all because of that um, thing, you know, things ha- can happen after the, uh, after the career look at, um, and, and I'm just going to throw it. I'm, 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 I'm an equal opportunity critic. So I'll, I'll talk about everything under the spectrum and I'll yeah. just give my opinion. I'm not political yeah. in any way, but you look at Kurt Schilling. I was going to ask you about Kurt Schilling. Okay. So that's why I said this. So, yeah. you know, Kurt, Kurt Schilling is somebody who should be on the hall of fame. I thought yeah. he, if he's, if he's not a first ballot, he certainly should have been the first couple. I mean, he, literally from what what he did in 2001 and what he with with arizona and going to the red sox is is historic you know the guy should be in the hall of fame you look at his baseball stats he should be but it's a human process it's not an artificial intelligence process you have real people making these decisions and they make value judgments on their judgments so therefore because kurt is so outlandish and so outspoken and he is who he is he did not get into, he was not elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame by the writers. I believe the players will end up putting him in, right. but that's a perfect example. And he didn't even, he, he didn't even commit a crime. It's not, it's not like, um, oh, they found out afterwards he was dealing drugs, or they found that afterwards he was taking steroids, or they found that afterwards, you know, you know, he, he committed, you know, committed a crime. He didn't do anything like that. He just, you know, had a really, really big mouth and said a lot of, uh, you know, negative things and it, it affected his livelihood. Um, well, it, an example, a modern example just happened last week. Fernando Tatis Jr. Right. I mean, I, I, I spoke, I spoke to Darren Ravel and he used my quote and I said, I think this guy, if you look at the value of all of his cards today and the value of all the autograph memorabilia and game use memorabilia, his career would produce and the decline in the value um, I think it could be a hundred million dollar impact on wow. what happened. Wow. That's insane. And obviously there's a, you know, like a lot of our most famous baseball players of all time played in the, for people my age played in the steroid era. So there's always that, that kind of conversation probably. And then with the Kurt Schilling thing, I kind of wonder because, you know, half the population because of the things he said are probably like, I'm out of the market on Kurt Schilling memorabilia. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's about right, but, uh, but then the other half, you wonder if, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, hell yeah, I'm more apt to buy Kurt Schilling. So it's like, it's probably a tough uh, equation to, to complete in your head as you try to prospect what's going to happen. And, and, and this is a perfect time to tell, you know, to say what I say about collectibles. Yeah. If you want to collect for enjoyment, yeah. buy what you like. Mm-hmm. If you want to collect for money or investment, buy what everybody else is like. Yeah. Everyone else likes. So, Kurt Schilling, there's no reason to take a risk. Yeah. Okay, I personally, I personally think again, I personally think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. But you know, if if somebody, if somebody, I'm trying to think of a really, maybe kind of a really aggressive, offensive, maybe even slightly dirty player, but who only played to win and didn't do anything wrong, like like a tie, like I, you know, go back and go back in the day, say Ty Cobb, Conrad Dobler. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a football example of somebody I think is one of the OG dirt bags. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, you know, if he's playing to win and he's playing aggressively and he's not, you know, doing anything outside of the field, it's not going to affect yeah. his, his values. Yeah. You do something where you offend a percentage of the population, you know, whether you whether you follow that 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 path or not, there's no reason to buy that person. There's so many players that start with a clean slate. Why invest in somebody that, in some people's minds, are going to be tainted, or in some people's minds, or in some percentage of the hobby, they will never buy this guy's card because they think he is unlikable. Yeah, and the likeness factor. I mean, look at the, the likeness, likeness factor is so important. Look, you know, Joe Namath does not have the career accomplishments that a lot of these other quarterbacks have. No, some people say he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly, but, but he's in New York, and he had, you know, he, he had a certain way about him and a confidence and a swagger. People like him. Mm -hmm. Derek Jeter is not the greatest baseball player of all time. He's not the greatest shortstop of all time, okay? But he is a winner. People like him. They want to own his product um and two completely opposite spectrums of the world because you know people who saw the captain recently alex rodriguez stuff does not sell for a, a good percentage of what Derek jeter sells for and then somebody legendary who has been an unbelievable leader in this country but because people when he played either didn't like his personality or thought he was standoffish or wasn't um exciting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. His, his stuff is drastically underpriced when you compare it to some of these other players. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, from where I sit, but of course it depends on where you sit and what you think. Yep. But like Kareem to me is a legend in every in every sense of the word. So yeah. And what you're saying that, do you think that the card market is maybe going to change because a lot of stuff now is on like guys can be popular off the field, like very, very popular that can move the market for them. And do you think that that potentially will change the market? Like when it comes to, hey, like cards, like the prices probably aren't going to go up and down based off if this guy has a good season or not. It's more going to be based off of how popular was this guy like off the field and how like many views or clicks and how his name is being generated like at that like particular time. It's sport related. I think in baseball, the single most important thing is personal statistics, mm -hmm. more so than championships. Uh, in football and basketball, it's really championships. Mm -hmm. Look at the pricing difference between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, for example. It is it is night and day, and that's purely a a, a factor of the um, you know how many how many Super Bowls they each won. Um, I think that. People who are not amazing performers or amazing athletes on the field, but accomplish things off the field and become immensely popular, um, it can increase the value of the card. But I'd rather somebody put up a video game statistics, and I don't care if they're the dullest person in the world. But an example where somebody's popularity in a different area has risen, has raised the price of their cards is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Mm -hmm. um, wow. he, he's, his, he has a Bumblebee tuna card from Miami <laughs> uh, when he played with Miami. And that card, you know, it's going up and down, up and down, but it sold as high as like seventy five dollars and $80,000 yeah. for a perfect 10 of that card. And the guy never made it to the NFL. 
Need a I'll Roman be- Roman Reigns Georgia Tech football card. You know, like wow. you, there's probably yeah. a few of these out there that probably a bunch. Yeah. yeah. I, so get, Greg Williams was my defensive coordinator. I'm not going to ask you about a Greg Williams the tops card, but Greg Williams, my guy, he used to give me shit all the time because when I wrote my name, when I did my autograph, it was scribbly. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he'd say, you know, you could tell somebody by somebody's signature how much they care about it and this, that, and the third. That having been said, who's got the prettiest autograph out there, in your opinion? Uh, and then who's got the ugliest of high value that you're like, man, that's an eyesore, but it goes for a lot of money? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so in football examples, I always, my two favorite autographs were always johnny unitas mm-hmm. who was every letter was perfect at every and he took it whether it was his first autograph or 800th every letter was perfect he cared and joe name it joe name he wrote it so big he wanted he wanted everyone to read his everyone to read his name and, and know it yeah. um bad I, I i can go into it there are so many people that are bad autographs so i can tell you <laughs> is, is look at Look at open up a, open up a box of twenty twenty two Panini and look at some of the cards. Literally, some of these oh, guys yeah, have a line, and that's their autograph. Um, what, one of the most famous players who I was unhappy with because I worked with them and like I literally hounded them to sign Nieder was Bo Jackson. Yeah, um, back in the day, um, you you you, um, you 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 couldn't read you couldn't read a thing. Yeah, um, but what I find is as players get older, they do if if they care. They, they do try and say, okay, fine, my autograph's important to people. I want to sign Nieder. Barry Bonds is a perfect example. Barry Bonds, um, who we, just, you know, I'm very close to Barry. So um, if there's any line of questioning, I want to get that out there. Yeah. Um, but Barry had a very messy autograph. It looked like BB. I'm seeing it now. It used to be like a B. I couldn't even tell what it is. Three letters. Yeah. Yeah. And now you look at it and it is... Um, you know, it is, in fact, wait a minute, here we go. So this is, this is an old school Barry Bonds. And this is, he was nice, it was nicer because he was doing it for me. Yes. Uh, um, so I don't know if you could see it, yeah. but that was, that was back Bobby and Barry, uh, two Ken, and then, um, you know, it skips the letters. But to be fair to uh, Bo Jackson, like Bo yeah. is a tough thing to write out and make look pretty. And B is a tough, uppercase B in cursive yeah. is tough. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, so but it kind of depends like, on the like, luck of the draw. Just look, just look. You, you could some of the Bo Jacksons. You literally just could have seen BJ. Okay, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Hey, by the way, Howie Long's got a beautiful signature. I don't yes, know if you've seen Howie Long. He really takes his time with that thing. And I also okay. think it's kind of a product of. I don't know what you think about this, but back mm-hmm. in the day, like mm-hmm. guys like that would have to sign autographs and everything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the access is greater now, so yep. I would assume you might you might sign more autographs as a contemporary mm-hmm. athlete, and then you sign for mm-hmm. money more. So yep. like guys yep. have more practice now to like hone their their autograph, but they also probably are like fuck. I've done twenty thousand of these. Like I gotta hurry. Yes. Whereas like back in the day, it's like I, I don't know. Were guys signing less? Oh no, they, they were sign. They were signing less. Um, the card deals are certainly less. I mean, I know some of these card companies literally may have a guy sign 20,000 trading cards. I mean, yeah. the guy, and these guys are boxes and boxes, and especially, especially the, uh, the, um, especially the rookies. Um, when I had classic, I used to put in a legibility clause. So in their contract, 
I used to say that your autograph, you can see every letter and a sample is here. And I'd have an exhibit A and I'd make them sign their autograph on a blank piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And then I'd want it to look, look like that. Even, even Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, because I signed him in 1996, right out of high school. Um, I met him in my office who at the time was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and he was outside Philly. So his dad took him to my office in like, um, in I think the winter of 96. So I knew all these stories about, is he going to go to LaSalle or is he going to go to the Duke? Yeah. Not going to happen. Uh -huh. because Joe Bryant was sitting in my office with his son and saying, uh, Kobe, meet Mr. Golden. You just call me Mr. Golden. Uh, this is the guy who is going to sign your first uh, contract with you. But so he signed his full name, Kobe Bryant. So if you look at all the old classic cards from his first year or two, it's all signed Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Then as he got older and got off to a different contract, he just signed Kobe. Uh, and what were your impressions of Kobe? Like meeting him as a kid. That's pretty cool. Oh, look, I Kobe, Kobe was amazing. He was very, very intelligent. Yeah. He was obviously incredibly talented and you know, I, I thought it was terrific. And yeah. when he was when he was taken by uh, drafted by the Lakers, um, he um, was represented by a guy named Arn Tellum. And I had a great relationship with Arn. And I actually flew out to California and met Kobe and his uh, met with Kobe and his uh, sisters and helped him uh, set up his uh, fan club out there. That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. Um, how about for you, like uh, biggest. Oh man, regrets. You, you're like, I should have bought that. Uh, well, I've got, two, I got a lot of regrets, but the two biggest regrets I would have, one would just be in general. I knew and met everybody. And I'm not talking just like, like you, you can go from Montana and name it, but I'm talking Muhammad Ali, Joe DiMaggio, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Wayne Gretzky, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, it's just absolutely crazy. Ted Williams, mm -hmm. you look at all, 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 all the legends from, from all the sports. Um, I never asked for anything. So when I had these contracts, like if I was having an appearance contract or a trading card contract or an autograph contract, I'm sure I could have said, hey, by the way, do you have, Mickey, do you have any of your old stuff? Joe, yeah. do you have any of your old stuff? Can we get some of it and put it in the contract? So I never got anything when I had the access. So that's oh, number man. one. Number two, getting back to this card. They, when, when, when they settled a dispute with Wagner to prove that they stopped production, they gave him his proof strip, which was an uncut strip of five cards and a blank back. And with on that strip of five was four other players, one of which was Cy Young. Mm -hmm. So they sent him the, the, the front of five cards and the back there was no, nothing on the back. No, no tobacco. It was pure blank back. Um, that was owned for many years by a well-known collector named Barry Halper um, until he sold his collection in the 1990s. I bought it. No, I, I bought it for $62,000 in like 2000 after the financial crisis in 2008 and I, as i'm watching the tv watching this you know stocks go down every day and getting killed somebody said they had a buyer for me and i can double my money i can get 125,000. um i didn't know i'd be opening up golden auctions three years later yeah um so i took the profit 
Now that would probably be worth about $7 million. No. <laughs> well, good thing there's money lying around for you now. But golly, <laughs> if you didn't open up the auction house and everything, I bet you're like, damn, dude. What about the Negro Leagues? Like African-American mm-hmm. players way back in the day. Mm-hmm. How did that affect the printing of cards? Like, w- were they printing cards for some of our greatest baseball players that didn't get to play in the MLB? Uh, and ha- and how's the market on cards like that? Sure. So the the answer is is they were not included in any of the major sets. You can go back to T two hundred six from the from the early nineteen uh, early nineteen hundreds. You can go back to the candy and gum cards that were made in the twenties. You can go back to the famous sets. You know the, those Gowdy sets from the thirties where you see the Babe Ruth, the Lou Gehrig cards, um, Jimmy Fox. They weren't there. They were in. None. They, there was no commingling of trading cards. Yeah. There were some cards. Um, there were some cards produced in the 1940s, typically regional and typically foreign. Like there were some Cuban cards, um, things you know, things like that. Um, but like finding a Josh Gibson card, yeah. uh, a pre MLB Satchel Page card, um, you know, Buck Leonard, Oscar Charleston, Cool Papa Bell. Any of these guys, um, you know, are virtually uh, I- impossible. Wow, what would that? What it would be worth to find a Satchel Page card in in like a seven condition or something? Well, the, the, there's a couple things that guard the price of, of a card you know, that, that 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 create the price. One is the player mm-hmm. and the condition and the rarity, but the most important is probably the popularity of the set. Mm-hmm. So a Satchel Page card. If he was in a in a 1930s Gaudi set, yeah. would probably have a similar price of a Lou Gehrig card. Yeah. But a Satchel Page card in because so many people know and collect that set. Right. You know that's why the Wagner is so important. There there are there are Honus Wagner cards that are much rarer than there's like 46 known, mm-hmm. but there are rarer that there's only one or two known that sell for a fraction because nobody cares about the set. Mm-hmm. The great thing about that set is everybody's trying to complete it and nobody can complete it. Same thing here. The fact that they weren't included in these mainstream sets that people know of, most people don't want to get just a random one card. It's the only one known and it's unusual, which means it could be a $100,000 card. But literally, if you had the best Satchel, if Satchel Page in the Negro Leagues was in like a 1930s Gowdy set along with Ruth and Gehrig where he should have been, um, and you had one in a PSA 10, you know, it could easily be a three, $4 million card. Man. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests from cooking to coding. Indeed assessments help take the stress out of the interview process. Your candidates get to prove themselves before the interview and you can dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest 2019. Start hiring now 
with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I asked you about, you know, any near misses. Do you know of stories or have you been unfortunate enough to, to do something like this? where you you fuck up a really valuable card by accident <laughs> uh i've heard it happen yeah uh, luckily i it isn't luckily it has never happened to me the most wood. The, the most Knock the funniest thing that happened to me ever i would say this is um so my son paul is um is nine years old and the funny thing is i went to try and find if i printed out a picture um and i couldn't find it um, and I'm not going to show you my phone. I have to dig for it. But so like after the Eagles won the, won the Super Bowl, we went to a show and we took a picture and Paul was only four and he was in a bad mood that day. And everybody he's with, he's sitting there turning the other way and crying. So now he, he just turned nine last week yeah. and all he does is play sports. I'd love to like find that picture and show him again. But so he and I break cards together on, and we, we do during COVID, we did it like every single day and we would do live videos. So this is a 1996 Kobe Chrome refractor. Mm, yeah. um, it is a very valuable card, and you'll see it's pedigreed Paul's Pulls, which means that he pulled it live. PSA gave me a pedigree for the cards we open up live together. So what happened was, is we were opening up the packs, and he um, pulled it and said, oh, wow, it's a Kobe rookie. Look how shiny it is. And I realized it's a refractor. Uh-huh. And I went to take the card out of his hand <laughs> and it went, boom, right on the mat. So I don't know if it would have been a 10 were it not for that to happen, but that that's probably the biggest mishap. And luckily it was my own card. However, I have literally known people who have um, taken cards that were from the seventies and eighties and nineties before the third party grading. Right. And they were in these screw down and they were in these tight screw downs, really tight. And they literally unscrew it and the print. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Peels off. The face peels off the card. Oh, that's got to be the worst sound you ever hear. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> what about... It happened, uh, to, happened to a lot of 86 Fleer Jordans. So with that, like, is that gradable still? Like, what condition does a card have to be in for it not to be gradable? Like you said, the the most thing, it was a two. You got you got that card the to be graded as good. a two. And it looked decent. To me, my dumb ass, <laughs> so, it looks really good. So, like, what, like, yeah, what does a card condition have to be where it's like, you know what, we're, we're not even grading this? Well, they, they've actually sold half of a Honus Wagner before for, for like 800. I think it went this year for like, oh God, under a million, but over 500,000. Okay. Uh, half you know, a card? Yeah, you yeah. literally, it, the card was you sold like the left half of the card, you know, but, but, but they graded it. Typically, the worst grade is authentic. If a card, and again, I'm not, I don't want people to think, okay, so there's the Grom. I don't even want to do that to the Grom, but uh, okay. You know, Willie Calhoun. No one's going to cry over Willie Calhoun's card, okay? This right. is this is a new Topps card, so no one's yeah. going to care. So like, li- literally, if you did that. Oh, Willie Calhoun. Uh, <laughs> and you were missing the corner, yeah. I could send this in. They would grade it, and they would not give it a numerical grade. They would give it an A for authentic. Uh-huh. You know, possibly an authentic altered because I ripped it. But that's the lowest grade you can get. You know, a card I think has to be at least fully intact 
to get a grade of one, which is poor. If it's missing a piece, then they'll slab it authentic. And if it's too mangled up where you can't tell what it is, then it won't get, you know, then they won't grade it. Well, we just, and Matt has a question in a second, but we got a Willie Calhoun rip by Ken Golden here, and it's an authentic, so we could sell that motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, Matt, what, Matt, what you got? Hey, Ken, I saw you guys are going to rip 86 Fleer tonight on yes. IG. Like, what are your expectations or hopes for that box? How likely is it to pull a PSA 10 Jordan? And how fun is it to just open that iconic box? Oh, let me take that in, in anywhere. So to pull a PSA 10 Jordan out of a 1986 Fleer box is incredibly difficult. I would say maybe one out of every 200 or maybe 500. I don't have the pop report in front of me to tell you would get a PSA 10. As an example, and I'll do a name drop, but I'm sure you guys know this. Uh, the last time I opened an 86 Fleer box was a couple months ago, and I live streamed it with Drake. Yeah. And Drake. we pulled... Um, six michael jordan rookie cards we pulled three stickers and three uh rookies um we got no tens and we got no nines okay they they were you know they were they were close but there were no nines and no tens and and everyone who saw that they looked really really clean so the odds of pulling it out um and having it be a 10 are very difficult. First of all for, for two reasons number one is the production quality back in 1986 wasn't meant to get cards graded. Yeah. The second reason is that the cards have been inside a friggin' wax box, inside wax packs for, how good is my math? 36 years. Yeah. 36 years, they're rattling around, With they're moving, they're this and that, they're being transported. So they're liable to have ding corners, notches on the edges and things like that. But the goal tonight is I want, I'd love to get three rookie stickers and three rookies. If I get four of something, it's a miracle. But basically, I just want it to be a clean box, problem free. Um, I'd like to get three rookie stickers. I'd like to get between two and four regular rookies. And I hope they're nice looking. And man, if we, if we got a 10, that would be unbelievable. But anytime you open up a box, it's a $200,000 plus box. It's 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 kind of exciting, but also to some kind of nerve wracking. So that box is two hundred grand to buy. So like the buy end of, to sit at the table is two hundred grand, and yeah. then the upside of pulling a card like that could be, you know, that that yeah. box could be worth what on top end yeah. millions. Well, yeah. See, what you have to look at is, is most people wouldn't buy a box. You look at the packs, like in a in a in a pack in a box break. Let's say the packs maybe five grand a pack. Right. You can open up a pack for five grand and walk away with a quarter million dollars. Right. Well, that's that's I might go buy something like that's that. That's why I <laughs> okay, yeah, open yeah. up Pokemon. That's cards. good. Yeah. Well, maybe you do the Pokebots. I'll do the the basketball or something. W one thing I wanted to ask you was home run balls and things that like leave the mm -hmm. the field of play. Like the mm -hmm. memorabilia that's tough to track down is so interesting mm -hmm. to me. Whether mm -hmm. it's like, hey, Franco Harris's touchdown or this yep. guy's home run ball. Like, then you got fans involved right away, and I know that's kind of part of the game, but. What's that whole process like, especially with home run balls? Because, you know, like the minute the balls hit out, I'm sure there's something going on behind the scenes to get to that person. Yes. I mean, we, um, like you look at something like the most famous, probably home run ball of all time. It's never been sold. Nobody ever has ever even, you know, one person claimed to have it, but it was, to me, it was a crock. And that was, uh, the shot heard around the world from 1951, you know, Bobby Thompson, um, you know, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant off of Ralph Branca. But, you know, 
famous things like that, a home run ball. There are a lot of home run balls that MLB's there and they watch it on the camera. They see where, where it went. If they can follow the chain of custody, they will let the person get it authenticated. Look at, look at Derek Jeter's 3000 hit for, for a, a home run. That ball is MLB authenticated and the fan gave it back to Derek Jeter. But yeah, a lot, a lot of times it doesn't happen in San Francisco, especially um, you know, when Barry Bonds was playing all those splash home runs that went in into the bay, yeah. uh, you know, and then people were in the boats, you know, and then they were fishing around the nets. You know, you need a video of that. You need the provenance of that, but it's never going to be MLB authenticated. So mm. they will never go for as much as something that is MLB authenticated would go for. That is so interesting. If you hit it in McCovey Cove, it might not be worth as much as if you hit it in the, in the cheap seats. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. You hit it to the guy with the kayak and it's not going to pay off. I want to play a little game here. Is it out mm-hmm. there is going to be my, my first line of sure. questioning. And then uh, I want you to put uh, you know, value uh, unofficially on a couple things that were kind of fun for me throughout sports history. Uh, first, is it out there? I guess um, the good one to start with is O.J. Simpson's Heisman Trophy in USC Jersey. Um, they're both out there. Yeah. Um, I, I happen to know who owns this Heisman Trophy because I know who bought it at the uh, bankruptcy auction. Wow. It's, wow. A, it's a client of mine. Okay, okay. And, and his, US, his USC jerseys are out there as well. Um, USC jersey... If we can get it photo matched, because I know a couple guys that would buy it, could be a hundred grand. Uh, the Heisman Trophy, I'd say the floor is about five hundred, and the ceiling would be close to a million. Jeez, Holyfield's ear chunk. Um, <laughs> wasn't that is wasn't that sewn back on? Didn't somebody pick it up? So. The Did they pick on? it up and give it back to him? Okay, well, if they then it's out there. It's on okay, Holyfield's yeah. ear. Okay, the first Super Bowl tape. You know, supposedly they had uh, the networks might have kept a copy of that thing. Oh, and it's never surfaced. Yeah. Oh, I would say that would be more from a, a rights perspective than yeah. a collectible. From a collectible, you could say fifty grand. Yeah, but it's, it's more for rights. Yeah, yeah okay. for rights, Got it's, it. it's got to be in the millions, right? Yeah. Millions. All right, so one thing we threw out here, and I don't know if this has been found, but Kirk Gibson's home run ball. We were just talking about home runs. Has not been mm-hmm. found, supposedly? Um, I do not, or, or there's no valid claim. I know, obviously, his bat and his jersey have sold a couple times from that event, but um, I do not recall the home run ball ever being sold, so I'm going to assume you're right. Yeah. How about Jackie Robinson's first Dodgers jersey? Okay, so first of all, that would break the record for the most valuable item. Um, mm. The if you were able to, you know, there has been a four, 1947 rookie uh, jersey that has been sold, and it was photo matched, and it came with a letter from Rachel Robinson from back in the day. Um, you know, originally sold I think for two million, then sold for three million, and now would probably, in my mind, be worth at least fifteen million dollars. But if you had I know of nobody who supposedly has the very first jersey he wore on April 15th, 1947 at Ebbets Field. I do not know that 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 exists or anybody has it, but that to me would be the single most important item in uh, baseball history and and the most valuable. Is there an item out there that may not be that valuable, but that you're like, I'm dying to know what happened to that item? I mean, maybe there's a crazy backstory. there's, there's two. Well, there's several of them. One, there are three people who claim to have the actual basketball that Will Chamberlain scored his hundredth point in. Yeah. And 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 all three of them have a story. And I met with one of them. Um, 
But the coolest item that I would want to see in person would be um, going, going, going way back. Um, I'd like to see the signed confession of Joe Jackson, the one that was in the trial for the yeah. White Sox yeah. and came missing from the trial, was stolen from the Chicago Police Department and enabled all of them to go free and innocent. Unreal. How about uh, this is a little off the wall. Steve Bartman's headphones. Why wouldn't Ooh. Steve? What would Steve Bartman's headphones be worth? I don't think that would be significant. Yeah. Um, because you know, I don't think the Cubs fans would want to buy it. But now that um, they, the monkey's off their back, I was thinking maybe it, it would jump in. Yeah, I, I, I would. I would say under. This is really low. Yeah. Under fifteen hundred dollars. Wow, I would pay more. So okay. if anybody has Steve Barber, Steve, if you're listening, I would fucking, yeah, a couple grand at okay. least. I don't want to okay. negotiate against myself. T.O. Sharpie. <laughs> the most famous one. Mm, with a letter from T.O.? Yeah. I, I can see, I can see, I could, I could see somebody, you know, paying four or five grand for that. Okay, okay. So we already talked about the Wilt Chamberlain 100-point basketball. How about the mean Joe Green Coca-Cola can? Um, oh, the actual, the can or or the jersey would, would be valuable. Oh, the jersey, the jersey would kid. be more valuable in the uh, yeah. in the in the commercial. That would in the go commercial, for a yeah. Bit. The jersey here, kid, he tossed toss in the jersey. That yep. that would be that that would be a nice piece. And let me give you one that will never happen, but he just passed away. And Len Dawson's mm -hmm. iconic photograph of him with a with a heater at halftime, yeah. uh, eighty seven exactly. years. How about if they had found one of Len Dawson's heaters? How yeah, I, I would pay a lot of money for one of Len Dawson's from, heaters from. The, from the Super Bowl, the the, the one the one the, the halftime or the, the on the bench was from the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I would uh, fray, I would shadow box that. I would pay a hundred yeah. grand for that. Okay, well there you go. Somebody's got to find so, that for you. So that's what it's worth. <laughs> find, find the D, find the DNA. Uh, my uh, <laughs> we were out. Though people collect that stuff, we were out uh, with. Uh, Mike Tyson uh, one night and um, and I had my, my daughter who's 22 and he put down a used joint <laughs> and she picked it up and she saves it. She saved it and she has it in a box and I guess she'll show it off to her friend that this is a used Mike Tyson How much does she want for it? Uh, she, I don't think... <laughs> well, just ask her for me, will you? That's and, then the last, and then the last question... As we let Ken Golden go, and you got to come back another time, this is so sure. fun, is how much, and I, I know it's not much, but I got the OG dog mask from our year. Mm -hmm. How yep. much is the OG dog mask going for? A couple grand? Oh, okay, so this is, this, is, this, is a, this is a lesson in collectibles. Yeah. Um, if you personally yeah. put that up at auction in, in 2018, and said, I'm going to auction this for charity, all the proceeds for charity, blah, 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 with a letter that this is my mask I wore. I would put a low of 25000 okay. possibly 50000 in that time. Okay. Right now, you're, right now, your audience is much more limited. Yeah. Time kills. Time. I'd say it's probably about five grand. The, the decline in quality of the podcast. <laughs> <Just joking. laughs> five grand, though. That's still fucking good. Okay. That's a good floor. Right. We can yeah, keep yeah. it going. We can keep it going, man. Views keep going. And, you know, like he said, things can change. Exactly. Like, you know, with Pete Rose and all those guys, maybe something good happens to us. Yeah. Matt. Ken, will these guys get sick if they chew gum from 1988? I got some old this facts the, for them. I think they I think they will, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs>
Really? Just, hey, who the hell knows what insects have crawled? Microbes have been in there for 40 You're years. Right. Take it from Ken Golden, man. He's chewed some old gum. Ken, appreciate I mean, you, man. He came up, it's, it's, not in, it's not like wrapped in a gum wrap where it's supposed to be stay nope. safe. It's, 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 it's in a loose, loose wax pack of cards. You're right. We got to find out. Ken, Ken, I appreciate you, dude. Love the jersey. Love your work. Uh, can't wait to have you back on again. Sounds good, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Enjoy Take being here. Easy, Thanks man. for the time, Ken. See you.